Welcome to episode 91 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the tongue of Thanksgiving. Let's dive in. Well, for those who live in the United States, happy Thanksgiving. And for those who do not live in the United States, happy Thanksgiving to you as well. <laughs> well, I love this holiday. There's something special about being purposeful and intentional in our Thanksgiving. Now, I know most of us gather with friends and family and, and have a big meal. And, and a lot of us will you know kind of talk through some things we're thankful for. But it's always interesting to me that you know we have one day set aside so that we can truly ponder this idea of Thanksgiving and what does it actually mean and what are we thankful for, where when we actually look at the rest of the year, we aren't as thoughtful or as intentional or, or purposeful in this idea of living a life of Thanksgiving. Well, Scripture speaks of this idea that we are to continually live a lifestyle of Thanksgiving. In fact, last Thanksgiving, so last year, I recorded an episode on the podcast, which was episode number 45, talking about this idea of having a continual lifestyle of Thanksgiving. And if you haven't heard that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. In fact, this morning, I just refreshed myself by listening to it, and I was so deeply stirred and edified by hearing something that you know I haven't listened to for a year either. Well, I want to be a person who is continually thankful that no matter what day of the year, I just live a lifestyle of Thanksgiving. Now, with that, I want to give a quick little study of Ephesians chapter 5. It's interesting that in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is setting up a contrast of kingdoms. At least that's the language I've been using. And it's interesting that he's talking about this concept of the kingdom of darkness, and he's talking about this kingdom of light. In fact, chapter 5, verse 1 starts talking about this idea of the kingdom, but more specifically, Paul is using the language of lust and love. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. He says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Now, Paul is setting up a contrast. He says, in the kingdom of darkness, it's being defined as the kingdom of lust. And you realize the kingdom of lust is all about what I can get. But in the kingdom of light which is also the kingdom of love, it's all about, well, what can I give? Isn't it interesting that lust always takes, love always gives. True, proper, godly love is not selfish. It is always selfless. It is always just pouring itself out saying, hey, how can I serve you? How can I pour, uh, how, how can I meet your needs? How, how can I roll up my sleeves and just come alongside you and serve you? See, that would be love. But lust, the concept of lust is all about my needs and my wants and, and I grab and I take and I'm using. And, and Paul sets up this contrast and says, do you recognize that God is in the kingdom of love, which means that everything that is associated with the kingdom of lust should not be in your life. In fact, the statement here in verse three is that it shouldn't even be named among you. And it's not that we, okay, let's not talk about that. But the idea in the passage is that, that it's not even happening in our lives. That as Paul's walking through this list in verse 3, that fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness, 
the, these things are, hey, don't let the perverted, twisted reality of the world be a part of your life. That, that there shouldn't be any aspect or taint or even a, a speck of that stuff in your life. So that if someone was to examine your life in detail, they couldn't even find it. They couldn't even name it in your life. That's the idea in the passage. Now, as Paul moves into verse 4, he begins to talk about the language of the kingdom. So here are these two kingdoms. We have the kingdom of lust and we have the kingdom of love. And what's interesting is in that both of those kingdoms, there is a particular language that happens within the kingdom. You realize that what we talk about is that which we, is, is that which we treasure most in our life. In other words, we promote that which we deem important in our lives. That what comes out of our mouth is, is our proclamation. It's our declaration. It's our promotion of what we have declared is most important. Just, just as example, um, how you spend your money, we, we've talked about this before in the podcast, but how you spend your money is a reflection of your heart because you're going to put money to your priorities. Now, as you walk through the New Testament, it's interesting that there is this pressure or there's importance placed upon the tongue. In other words, what you talk about. Let me, let me read you a few, few verses. In James chapter three, probably the most popular one, James says this, See how we put bits in the mouths of horses that they may obey us and we control their whole bodies and observe ships. Though they are great and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are directed with a very small rudder wherever the captain pleases. Even so, the tongue is a little part of the body and boasts great things. See how a great forest, a little fire kindles. In other words, James is comparing your tongue and what you talk about to a bit in the mouth of a horse or a rudder on the midst of a ship. And he says, you realize that what you say, even though it's a small part of your body, it literally is directing and dictating and it's moving your life. Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 and 35 say, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. In other words, your mouth reveals the secrets of your heart. In other words, what is coming out of your mouth is revealing what's happening on the inside of your life. 1 Peter 3.10 declares, He who would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and, and his lips from speaking deceit. And this is a quotation of Psalm 34. James 1.26 says, If anyone among you seems to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So you recognize that there is a lot of importance put upon the tongue and what you speak. Now, again, to go back to Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is setting up this contrast. He says that the language of the kingdom of lust or the kingdom of darkness is that of filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse jesting. In other words, when you look at those words in the Greek, it has this idea of obscenity or speaking that which is shameful or just foolish talk or stupid conversation like that of a drunk person. Uh, coarse jesting has this idea of a wit of humor that invokes laughter, but it degrades that which is pure, right, honorable, and true. And of course, in this context, it's specifically talking about sexuality, but it's here's, here's what God has created as good and pure, this idea of sexuality. 
And yet, what have we done? We've become twisted and perverted. And now we're being crass and joking about the twisted version of that which God made good. And Paul says that that is not fitting for saints. That if you are a Christian, that kind of language should not be coming out of your mouth. Well, why? Because it is promoting the wickedness and the twistedness of the darkness, of the kingdom of darkness. Well, what then should we be talking about? Paul says, rather than having the language of the world, rather than getting wrapped up in the, the, darkness, the dark language of that kingdom, speak thanksgiving. And apparently, the language of the kingdom of love, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, is that of thanksgiving. In other words, that which we are promoting, that which we are declaring with our lips, and that thereby it should be which is going on inside of our personal inside life, is the things of God. It's that which he has created and made and made right and pure and noble, that we are lifting high the glory of Jesus Christ and we are proclaiming him to the nations and we're lifting high the kingdom of love saying, wow, this is the reality of the world. Now, this idea of speaking thanksgiving is all over scripture. In fact, back in episode 45, I read a whole list of scriptures that talk about this lifestyle of thanksgiving, but let me just give you a few more. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 says that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 4, 2 declares, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Revelation 4.9, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits upon the throne, who lives forever and ever, speaking of those 24 elders who fall down and worship God. Revelation 7.12 says, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 5.20, a few verses after our passage, says that we are to give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That what should be coming out of our life and that which should be coming out of our lips is thanksgiving. And that truly is the language of the kingdom of love. Really quick, four little aspects or maybe realities of having this language of thanksgiving, that our tongue is full of thanksgiving. Number one, you realize that thanksgiving reveals the internal reality of your life. That if you're constantly just, oh, woe is me, and you know, Eeyore kind of a mentality of, oh, it's going to rain again. If, you, if that's what's coming out of you, do you recognize that that is revealing the internal realities of your life? And if you are a Christian, you must recognize that God has redeemed you, that all the junk and all the pervertedness and all the twistedness that, that your life was known as and your, your life was wrapped up with, God has set you free. He has made you more than a conqueror, that the punishment for sin is eternity in hell. And he took that punishment upon himself. And now you can have eternal life. Wow, shouldn't that just cause a burst of thanksgiving to come out of your life? And you realize that, that thanksgiving, that, that, that which should be coming out of your life, 
should be revealing what has happened on the inside of you and all that God has done to do and change within your life. And as he continues to sanctify your life, you should be more and more giving thanks for all that he is, has done and is doing and is going to continue to do in and through your life. Thus, your life should be one of continual thanksgiving, for that is the language of the kingdom of God. Number two, there's this idea that, yes, sometimes it feels that thanksgiving is a choice, but in reality, it should be the natural outflow of seeing truth. See, it's interesting when when we face troubles and problems and circumstances and situations in our life, it is true that sometimes I have to say, no, in the midst of this, I am choosing to respond with thanksgiving. I'm realizing that this too is going to work, that God's going to turn this for his good in my life, as we talked about in the last podcast. That yes, at times it may feel like we have to choose Thanksgiving in our life, but what would happen if I got so wrapped up in Jesus and what would happen if I got so wrapped up in truth that I didn't have to force Thanksgiving, rather it's just as I continually abide in his presence and I as I remain in his word and I see his life being demonstrated in and through my life that I just can't help but live a life of thanksgiving. So yes, I understand that at times we have to choose to live thankful. And yet what would happen if part of the sanctification process that God's bringing us through for the rest of our life, what if one of those aspects of he's wanting to bring about in our life is the fact that no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, our life is just one of continual thanksgiving. Not because we have to, but we just can't help but live thankfully. Number three is this idea that thanksgiving results in a life of leaping. It's interesting that the root word of thanksgiving is where we get the word rejoice. Now, for example, Philippians 3.1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. And what's fun about that word rejoice is it contains this idea of leaping, that I'm incorrigibly cheerful, that that there is something happening within me that, that in the midst of my rejoicing, in the midst of my thanksgiving, that there's this leaping of my soul upwards. That, as a good friend of mine, Eric Ludy says, it's like you're a Cheerio in milk. Have you ever tried to sink a Cheerio? It's impossible. You take a Cheerio, you push it down the milk, and bloop, it just floats back to the top. That that is what we are called to be as Christians. That the life that we are living as Christians is that of thankfulness. The language that is coming out of our lips is that of thankfulness, which means that there's this continual life of leaping within our very lives. As 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 reminds us, rejoice always, that there should always be this leaping. Paul continues by saying, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, no matter what is happening in your life, you are called to rejoice at all times. That you are to pray and have intimacy with Jesus at all times. That in every single thing, you are to give thanks. Well, lastly, number four, did you know that Thanksgiving is a great deterrent for sin? In the Bible school that I teach at, one of the things that we tell our students frequently is, here's this temptation that approaches you and it's it's trying to get you and it's whittling you down. It's trying to get you to give into some sin. Did you know that if you would see that situation and begin to be thankful, that it's actually a lot easier to walk in victory? For for example, the, you know, the typical example that I deal with with guys is, you know, here's a guy tempted to lust. And so here's this temptation. It's knocking on the door of the guy. 
But what would happen if the guy wasn't just gritting his teeth and flicking rubber bands or taking cold showers or whatever the little techniques of the modern day is? See, rather than trying to fight the temptation, what if we would turn our gaze to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, thank you that you have already obtained victory and triumph for this temptation in my life. That I know that upon the cross, you defeated sin, darkness, and hell, and this temptation has no power over me. So I'm giving you the praise and the glory and the adoration that I already have received the victory because you, Jesus, are my victory. It's amazing when you begin to live that kind of a lifestyle of thanksgiving, that you recognize that Jesus has provided all that you need for life and for godliness, as 2 Peter 1.3 tells us, do you realize that it's much harder to give into the temptation when you realize that Jesus has already provided the victory? So begin to give Jesus the thanksgiving that is rightly due his name for any temptation you face because you are more than a conqueror in him. Well, on this Thanksgiving week, I hope this encourages you to press all the more into Jesus Christ and live a continual lifestyle of thanksgiving. And remember that there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the world and there's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of lust, the kingdom of love. And within those two kingdoms, there is a language. And the language of the world promotes the things of the world. And the, and the language of the kingdom of God promotes the things of God. And how do we describe that which promotes the kingdom of God? Well, Paul says it's a language of thanksgiving, that your tongue is to be ever full of praise, that your mouth should just be full of thanksgiving unto our God. Well, let us remember that as we head into Thanksgiving this week. And may we remember that this is not just for one day of the year. This is for every single day of our entire life. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a link back to episode number 45, which I highly, highly encourage you to listen to. And again, it's entitled How to Live a Continual Life of Thanksgiving. And on that show notes page, it also has all the verses that I mentioned in this particular episode. Please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 91 for episode number 91. And on a side note, I just want to say I truly thank God for you that I just deeply appreciate the fact that you are a part of the Deeper Christian community and that you join me here on these podcasts. It really is a blessing for me. And I hope that God is using all of this to be an encouragement and exhortation and a blessing in your particular life. So know I am cheering you on as you build your life around the one whom all thanksgiving should be toward, Jesus Christ. Have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs>